I'm Pam. I'm Dawn. I'm Deidre. I'm Dina. Welcome, Welcome to Ozark's Paints and Hooch. This ain't no fancy academic check your references kind of deal. This is four girls from the Ozarks sipping and spewing about paints, hooch, and history. Welcome, friends and friends, to Ozark Haints and Hooch. I'm your host for this evening. My name is Pam, and we are on Season 2, Episode 4 tonight. Yeah, hey, hey. Season 2, who knew we'd make it? <laughs> who knew? Who knew? Uh. So tonight on the agenda, we have the big one is Dina. And yes, yes, yes. <laughs> And the uh, little one is Dawn. Yay! And our hooch for the evening is Deidre. So uh, uh, let me see. Let me um, uh, say a few things before we do all that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, please check out our social media links on Facebook, Instagram, and our website. Yay! Yes, yes, yes. We got a yes. new website. So be sure to check us out on all three of those platforms. And also, we want to give you our tech disclaimer because we're in three <laughs> different states and four different households and four different Wi-Fis. And, and uh, I don't know how to talk husband. soft. Uh, <laughs> uh, and we all have cats and dogs and husbands and maybe not lawnmowers tonight. But, yeah, uh, no, no lawnmowers. But Kids there's a, and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, maybe a variety of, of, uh, of interruptions here or there. So we just want you to know that. And um, uh, we want you to subscribe to us and give us five stars. If yep. you possibly can, please do that. We release a new episode on the 1st and the 15th of every month. So, without further ado, let me throw it to Dita, and she is going to give us our hooch for the evening. Adieu, adieu, adieu. Yes. <laughs> um, hi, I'm happy to be here. Um, I have a, a drink that actually is called the Silver Mine, if you can believe that, because that's going to tie in just really great to the story we have coming up. Okay. So uh, what that is, you'll need six to eight quarters of fresh lime. You need six fresh mint leaves or however many you want. I'd probably do more limes and mint than anything else. It calls for a half of an ounce of simple syrup, um, silver or blanco tequila. And um, I never know how to say this correctly. A half ounce of Contro? Contro. 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 So it's like a Q. Yeah. But it's a yeah. C. Okay. Right. Yes. Got it. Okay. So those are your ingredients. Um, you uh, put that in a shaker. Um, you add the first three ingredients to the shaker. You muddle it. Dina has a new muddler, so she got to use a muddler fun. tonight. <laughs> yeah. That sounds dirty. I, I, think, I, <laughs> I think all my stuff is down at... Uh, grandma's from last christmas so i'll have to see if i can find it uh, i might have stolen a shaker before uh, i got my shaker so if I? you need your shaker back it's probably I in my do. cabinet <laughs> i haven't been able to find it so i'm it was yeah. at mom's okay yeah well you better give that back to me then mm -hmm. 
All right. Well, well so I anyway. want to I want to say that I think the cocktail is very refreshing. It I was refreshing. expecting it to taste because of the Cointreau and the tequila and the lime. I was expecting it to be more margarita-ish, but mm-hmm. the mint really fixed that up. So Yeah, uh, it's kind of like a mojito. It's kind of like a tequila mojito. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you yeah. go. Uh, That's good. Yeah, so anyway, you, you take those first three ingredients, the lime, the mint leaves, the syrup, and muddle. Um, you fill the shaker with ice. You add the tequila and the Cointreau, and you shake vigorously, vigorously, vigorously. There we go. I'm having trouble talking tonight. Vigorously. How many of you have? You serve in a highball glass and you salt the rim. Well, one very large one. Okay. <laughs> so that is that. And, um, you know, uh, if you don't have silver tequila, I'm sure that you can make it do with whatever tequila you may have or vodka would be okay or yeah i I made mine oh rum would be all right yeah that would really make it a mojito yeah yeah but anyway that is the silver mine cocktail for this evening's um episode thank you deidre i'm enjoying my silver mine a lot i salted my rim did you guys salt your rim I did. I salted my rim. I did. I, did I had my, my um, live-in bartender make it for me. <laughs> I did not. That's an extra step, you know. So anyway. All right. Well, uh, we are excited to bring you these stories tonight. So um, Dina, give us the big <laughs> scoop on how the silver mine connects with your story tonight. Take the big one. Okay. I am going to tell you the story of the Yoakum Lost Silver Mine and the infamous Yoakum Dollar. Yeah. So after my extensive research, but not really, because after the second page of my Google search and coming up with the same history stories, I quickly ended that search and just read the first page. I started feeling like I was in school a little bit, but then it got better. So. The history of how the Yoakums came to the Ozarks is not disputed. It is what happened while they were here that has locals disagreeing. The story goes that James, AKA Jake or Jacob Yoakum, moved to the Ozarks after the War of 1812. The Delaware Indians, upon the signing of the St. Mary Treaty, migrated westward from Ohio towards the Ozarks. They settled upon the mouth of the James River. I also would like to add that um, every article I read about this was in Sam Elliott's voice, particularly the narration from Tombstone. I couldn't couldn't help it and I couldn't stop it. And if I could speak in his voice, I would tell you this story in his voice because I feel like it's the only voice that should tell this story. Well, and I know all us girls would love to hear Sam Elliott's liquidy voice. Yes. And that mustache, you bet. <laughs> so, okay, let me let me get back to where I was at. Um, anyway, the territorial governors, uh, William Clark of Missouri and James Miller of Arkansas, came upon the agreement that this would serve as the Delaware Indian Reservation. So when James Yoakum relocated to the Ozarks, it was said he got along well with the Delawares and began to rent bottomlands from them. He acquired an understanding of the language and soon married a Delaware Indian woman named Winona. 
by the way, in the six or seven historical articles that I read online, I can think of only one that actually gave her a name. Imagine that. Hmm. In 1815-ish, James went back to Illinois and convinced his brother Solomon and son Jacob to move back with him. When they returned, it was said that they traded with the Delaware. Uh, it was said that they traded with the Delawares the location of the mine and its land for blankets, soap, and two horses. And that is every article I ever read. That is exactly how it was stated. Well, I feel so, like that's that's a fair trade. Mm, well, I guess maybe <laughs> so, maybe not. I mean, it might have not been a very good horse or one of the. I don't know. Maybe. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. So the Yokums built two houses on this land, the first uh, being built directly across from the entrance. So the family, they wanted to be able to keep an eye on it around the clock. But evidently, they did not feel that that was safe enough because James and Winona had a house built on the opening and they had a secret entrance somewhere within the house to the so that part of the story is like universal. That is what all of the articles that I read, all of that is the same-ish. This is where the story begins to change. So money was scarce to the settlers in the Ozarks and it was common for people to coin their own. It was legal to do so until 1862 and that's when Congress passed a law prohibiting it. The Yoakum dollar is said to be the size of a Spanish dollar. I found a picture of one of those on the web, on the website, um, old stagecoach stop. I've added it to the links um, and it, you can see it's very worn and it's really difficult to read. Yoakum is spelled Y-O-A-K-U-M and it's stamped across the top. And the year 1822 is at the bottom and then there's about eight crudely made stars in the middle. But there could be more stars in the middle. It's hard to see to do to the weathering of the coin. So I say that it's comparable to today's quarter. As far as I can tell, I looked it up online. Like I just wanted someone to say it's the same size as a quarter. Like that's what I put into Google. I tried to do the Spanish dollar, but it, no one would tell. Google would not cooperate with me. Can I, can I so, interject? Uh, uh-huh. I'm, I'm going to interject. I got so, more on that later, but go ahead. Oh, because I know how big it is. Do you want me to tell you? Okay, well, wait, because I got more on that later. That's what she said. Okay, go. Okay. Okay, so here's a little history about coins in the early, uh, or in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Uh, for those of you like myself that never put two and two together, so obviously I'm a little flaky when it comes to history. Um, so they would cut the dollars into pieces. And that's where you get the term bit, as in shave and a haircut, two bits. Yeah, yeah, okay. I love that. I, I didn't realize that. So don't make fun of me because no one taught me this in school. And if they did, it was never on a test because I would have gotten an, an A on that. And half <laughs> dollar and quarter so, means quarter. Do you know that? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, it, well, I knew like two bits and four bits and anyway. So no, I didn't know any of this until I did this research. Uh, so this little tidbit, I see what I did there, tidbit, is important, <laughs> uh -huh, you know, in the different theories of how the Yoakum dollar was made. 
So there are those who believe an actual lost silver mine exists and say that the silver from the mine was the sole provider of the silver for the coins. Then there are those who believe that the coins were made of the different bits gotten from the Indians for goods. Solomon Yoakum ran a successful peach brandy and whiskey distillery. The family mm. also operated a mill and ran livestock. And so they would sell all that to the Indians. And the Indians had been paid by the government in silver coins. So there are people that think that it was federal money that or federal bits that they had melted down into coins. Mm -hmm. um, the Yoakum dollar had fallen into legend status until one was found under the floorboards of a cabin being raised after being used as a bunkhouse for a sawmill crew and reported to the Springfield Daily Leader. So there were four, count, uh, four coins found in all. I couldn't find a date for this discovery. Um, I did find, however, where a gentleman by the name of Will Townsend had written into the Springfield Daily News and Leader in 1975 of a St. Louis man who had found a metal box with 236 coins in the area south of Branson. Um, hmm. They state, here's this, they state that they were two inches di in diameter. And so that's bigger. That's a big coin. Than what? Yeah, they, so that this this account says they were two inches in di diameter and embossed with Yoakum, Y-O-C-U-M. Like I said, that's bigger than what I, hmm. when I first read it, that's bigger than what it said. And this, those two accounts are also from that old Stagecoach Stop website. So Dawn, is that, I'm done with the size, size of the coin there, is that what um, you think the, So are you gonna talk about how I relate to this or do I do that now because that's I'll tell you about the size no I got that later okay then just I'll give just me the size up. of the coin it's silver dollar sized okay <laughs> so would that be two that'd be about, silver. yeah because it is a silver dollar but okay. I mean like yes I give you I give dollar. you a chance to speak later on I know I'm gonna shut up okay. go ahead all right uh these discoveries ended the argument as to if a Yoakum dollar ever actually existed. It is believed that Jacob Levi Yoakum was responsible for the casting of the dollar. In fact, descendants claim to have seen the molds. A gentleman by the name of Joel Thomas, I'm going to go with Orcutt, O-R-C-U-T-T, Orcutt, is a descendant and he has written a history of the family that you can read an excerpt from on the Marion County, Arkansas website, which I've also included. So in, um, let's look. In 1846 or 47, James and Winona Yoakum were caught in a cave-in and believed to be killed. After the tragedy, the family moved southwest, relaying that there was no income for them now that the mine was lost. Others believe they moved on due to the Delaware Indians being relocated to a new reservation near Kansas City and the family's supply of government silver moving with them. Solomon and other, another brother named Jesse moved on to the California gold fields. Solomon was the last survivor to know the exact location of the mine. Following a stroke, he related the secret to his grandson, William, and a crude map was drawn. Joseph, William's son, brought the map to Taney County in 1958, hoping to find the mine. He did not, but he did give the map to friend and owner of the land where the mine was supposedly set, Artie Ayers. 
Kirby Ayers went on to try to find the mind himself, later producing an outdoor drama titled The Lost Silver Mine based on his book Traces of Silver, which is right around $100 on Amazon in paperback. I didn't get yeah, it. I didn't uh, get it. I and you couldn't even like read a sample of it. I have yeah. a copy. Yep. Who has a copy? I do. I should sell it. Really? Well, yeah, for hundred bucks, like ninety-eight well, yeah. bucks. But like, on. who's buying it? Would be my question. Okay. Well, <laughs> I think there's only like three in existence, or something like. What's that. it oh, called no, again? The what? Traces of silver. Traces of silver. Just a minute. I'm gonna break into song. I'll be there. Just a minute, okay? All right. So, um, the drama, the outdoor drama, opened in 1983 and had a short-lived boom in Lakeview, Missouri, which is now called Branson, West Missouri. And here you go, Don. Do you have anything to add to that, <laughs> Don? What do you know? Um, so I was in the very first cast of the Lost Silver Mine, and no way, crazy. That's why I have that book. <laughs> And I worked, so my job, besides being Irene, Irene, the singing machine. No, I, I think the thing said Irene, the nightingale <laughs> of the South. That's who I played. Um, um, uh, I worked at the ticket office. My office was at the ticket office. And supposedly, I mean, he had two silver dollars that had Yoakum stamped on them in a case in the ticket office. Mm -hmm. Now, whether those were the real deal or perhaps something that might have been, um, what do you call that? Uh, fashioned to look like? Counterfeit. Yeah, counterfeit uh, magic money, I don't know, yeah. But anyway, he had to under a, a glass in the, in the um, ticket office, so. And I can't remember. Huh. I think it was Y-O-C-U-M, but I can't remember. I can't remember. But anyway, he believed it. Oh my gosh. Totally believed it. That's it. I I, I yes. would sing, oh, the Yoakum Silver Dollar was found in a holler, but I don't remember the rest of the song. So that's all. So <laughs> I barely remember that because I was an infant at the time. Uh, I don't remember that. Shut up. <laughs> oh, can um, I tell who was it that I used? To, remember those Astro Smurfs from McDonald's? They were little purple <laughs> Astro Smurfs that you would get in a Happy Meal. Vaguely. What was the guy that I used to? Oh, I can't remember his name. He was tall, tall and skinny, and had long brown hair. Don. What was his name? It wasn't Bill, oh. was it? No. Um, no. Brian that come, came to our house? No. No, I don't know. Nope. Dang it. I'm going to think of it as soon as we're done recording. Well, let me he later on worked at Shepherd. Well, Haas. Haas worked at the Lost No, it's Silver not. Haas. I know, but I mean. I want to say his name started with an A. I, have, I, don't, I don't know who you're talking about. I can't Austin, think of it. Arthur. Babe. No. So let me nope. tell. Okay, me tell gonna... <laughs> I want to tell my exotic animal paradise story. So I part okay. of my salary included this POS house. I mean, it was a POS, and Artie was trying. I to... love that house. Oh, okay. Just wait. I'm going to tell the story. Artie was trying to make an exotic animal okay. paradise with a buffalo 
three goats and a cow. And so I woke up one morning. I am not kidding. That's you. exotic. How, wait, 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 wait. What? And I'm donkey. How exotic is a cow? I mean, was it like? And I'm just saying. Okay. I woke up one morning. It was so hot. There was no air conditioning in the house. And um, I turned over to the window one morning. And I don't know if you guys know how big a buffalo's head is. It is a big freaking head. He They're had big. knocked. He knocked out the screen to my bedroom window, <laughs> and he was drooling on my bed. His entire head was in my bedroom. So I got up and I went in the living room and the goats, the three exotic animal paradise goats were in my living room eating my curtains. Oh my God. Yeah. God, this is crazy. It was, cra oh, it was, it was crazy. I, but I love crazy. that house. I'm more concerned about the buffalo in my bedroom, I think, than the yeah. goats in my Oh, bedroom. and there's more. There's so much more oh. for all. Hey, I have my own stories because we, we bought land from Marty. Yeah. Um, but it was Mike Freeman. I know it's not a oh, name. Mike I don't know where Freeman. they came from. It was Mike oh, Freeman. Mike Freeman. Uh, Freeman. Shout out Ashley. to Michael. We all work with Mike. Uh, I did, yeah, murder mystery theater with him, and golly, mom and dad worked with him, and Don, you, didn't you do something with I him I did at Estimate College of the School of the Ozarks. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Yeah. Yes, that anyway, was quite a deal. Quite a, quite a, quite a outdoor okay. drama. What was my that, that came indoors for a bit. Your indoor <laughs> Okay, All right. Um, so I did find an interview with Artie Ayers on YouTube. Um, it is over an hour long. So it's long, but it's kind of interesting because he does have a lot of history. I mean, he's been here for a long time and so is his family. Right. But so in about uh, 17 minutes into it, he starts discussing the Yoakum legend. So fast forward if you don't want to listen to the, the whole thing and that was in I can't remember the year but I do remember he was 88 years old and I want to say it was like 2012 or 2014 Aww. so he when right. did he he yeah, died didn't he anyway is he dead I do not know he's got to be I don't I'm not know. sure hmm. I want to say yes but I hate to be wrong yeah, I don't know. We need to look that up and see. So that. as for the location of the mine, most uh, believe that it is the at the mouth of the James River, which is now covered by the waters of Table Rock Lake, if it even ever existed. But I will leave you with this little fact. Only one Yoakum dollar was ever appraised by the government, and it proved to be more valuable than the federal coin it was believed to be made from. Oh. Hmm. It had more silver in it. And then there was a lot, I mean, I kind of ended my vine right there, but there was a lot about, um, well, Silver Dollar City being named Silver Dollar City. You know, they think they took that from the Yoakum Silver Dollar. And um, Al Cap had Yoakum for the last name and Dog right. Patch was built just south of us. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. right. Well, anyway. I, for one, had never heard of the Yoakum Silver Dollar. Oh, oh, Yoakum's yeah. silver okay, dollar was found in a holler, and that's all I know. In a holler. I should have actually. <laughs> I've got the, I've got the lyrics somewhere in this um, filing cabinet. I should have. I should have pulled them out for this. Sorry, I didn't. You shoulda. 
I should have. should have. You guys, my gosh, if, well, if anybody's out there listening that, that was in that show with me, I, I'm just almost, it was so, the story of a waking up and, and having a buffalo head in your window just describes the entire atmosphere of that entire experience. It just was crazy. So. Were, how old were you, Dawn? 84, you 83, right? So I just, it was my first job out of undergrad and school. 83 was when it opened. Yeah. And I graduated in 83. Ah. And I was the artistic liaison yeah. as well as Irene, the Nightingale of the South. So there you go. So you were about 24-ish, right? Around 24. 23. Maybe yeah. 23. Yeah. 23, 24. Okay. Yeah. Oh, 23, okay. Yeah. Well, is that it? Is that it, Dina? What does artistic liaison mean? So what I was, this will even make you Whatever laugh Whatever they harder. called her to. I was the person that was the go-between between the cast and director and Artie. That was my job. So. Wow. Because they wow. couldn't talk to each other? <laughs> Dina, you know him. I don't understand. <laughs> It's, um, I it's think a company it was, manager kind of situation. Yeah, it was kind of like handler. She was a handler. I wasn't, well. Were you oh, Artie's I, handler? I, hell no. A I think he wanted to be a some wrangler. of our handlers, but no. Um, I was, yeah, I was supposed a to. A wrangler. Wrangler. Maybe. Anyway, I was supposed to just. <laughs> I was supposed to be the go-between between management and, because Artie's whole family was managing that place. I mean, it was him and his wife and daughter and son. And so I was the go-between between them and the office staff and the artistic staff. And I worked. Well, I think we should team. say right now that if we um, misspoke and think that Artie has passed, we are very sorry um, because I have been looking to see if I could find an obituary and I'm not finding one. So, okay. um, Ayers family, please, uh, accept our apologies. Uh, if, yes, um, forgive us. <laughs> yeah. We, we are, not, we're not professionals here. Just so you know. We don't do lots of, remember, we don't yeah. do lots of research. I That's stopped right. at the second page. <laughs> you stopped at the second page. Um, so this was... 2014 is when that interview was made, and I think he said he was 88 years old in 2014. So he's wow. so that would he's make four. Nine, yeah, he seven, could still nine, be alive. Four. Absolutely. Yeah. I think yeah, his totally. wife Mary yeah. passed away, but yeah. I think I remember hearing that. But um, she was a lovely woman. Yeah. Okay. Well. All right. That's all I have, though. Is that it? Is that it, Deidre? Uh, Dina? That's it. Okay. Well, that is, <laughs> that's a whole lot. That's a whole lot right there. For a uh, one page research. That was great. <laughs> yeah. I don't Thank know that I knew that. Thank you for that, that uh, Dina. Yeah. And uh, we will now go move on to our little one, which is Big Sister Dawn. <laughs> so, um, I... Go, Dawn. Okay. <laughs> I um, th uh, thought, well, if she does the Yoakum Silver Dollar, I'll do the, I'll just see what kind of treasure there is in the Ozarks. Like if there's, 
buried treasure or a very much treasure or whatever and come to find out there is a lot of supposed treasure in the Ozarks, most specifically in Missouri. Huh. I could find lots and lots of stories about Missouri, uh, one story about Arkansas and no stories about Oklahoma. So I don't know. Um, and I'll, I'll put um, these websites on the website and I'm, yeah, on our website and of course on the extras. But um, my main information comes from a man named Brooks Blevins, who's a professor at Missouri State University. I know that name, Deidre, anyone? Do we know him? No. I, okay, that's not I know that name. Blevins, I know Blevins. Brooks yeah. Blevins. So he teaches um, anthropology, I believe. But anyway, he has been studying the lost treasure of the Ozarks, and he says um that buried treasure lost treasure believe he believes that it falls into four main categories those that date to the spanish explorers pirates on the mississippi civil war legends and legends related to counterfeiting which he says is was rampant in the early days of the ozarks and outlaw stories um, I'm going to add one more because I found several stories about California gold, people that had gone out during the gold rush and found some and then came back and buried it, right? So what I thought I would do is, um, wow. I thought I'd tell a little tiny story of each of those categories or four out of the five anyway. So um, we'll start with the Spanish. Um, a story that dates back to Spanish and explorers involves the old Spanish treasure cave in Sulphur Springs, Arkansas, along the Missouri-Arkansas border. Do you mm -hmm. know that, Pam, Sulphur Springs? I do. That's uh, it's, uh, not too far from the big airport, the, huh? the new big X&A there in the northwest Arkansas. Yeah, okay. the big airport. Well, this old Spanish treasure yeah. cave is still open and I'll include their website. I mean, they, they still have a website up anyway. And it's owned by Paul and Tracy Linscott, Linscott, L-I-N-S-C-O-T-T. They've owned the cave for more than 22 years. Um, Paul personally found a part of a sword blade and a belt but he had heard stories of people finding gold coins, pieces of armor, weapons, bracelets. Um, he says he admits that he can't confirm stories of hidden Spanish gold are true, but he's hopeful that they'll continue to find more proof that Spaniards were in the cave long ago. Um, the cave flooded uh, several, uh, several years ago, five or six, something like that. And so the shaft that they were digging out flooded. And so now they're having to re-dig it out all over again. And so that, that costs a lot of money and they're, you know, that's sort of where the website leaves off. Um, he says the story of the cave involves the Spanish conquistadors who traveled from Spain to old Mexico and South America, stealing and raiding from Aztecs and Mayans along the way. One of the groups worked their way up through here um, and came up here through a brutal winter storm. So a lot of horses were dying off. The carts were breaking down. 
They couldn't continue their journey, so they took shelter inside the cavern. As the story goes, they hid their treasure and made plans to leave and come back with reinforcements to bring it home. But Indian braves who had come back from hunting to find their village destroyed by the Spaniards started tracking them down. Um, he says they eventually found them because in the big room of the cave, which they call the council room, where they set up their camp, there's a natural mm -hmm. chimney and they had a campfire underneath there. So of course the Native Americans saw the smoke coming up out of the mountain. So they came over and killed most of the conquistadors. He says, we know at least one survived, finished hiding and concealing all the entrances to the cavern. He drew a map on parchment paper and carved another map into limestone rock. Um, Linsket said, the limestone rock has since been recovered. The cavern, cavern was undiscovered until after 1885 when an old man from Madrid, Spain found some old treasure maps and a family Bible that led him to Northern Arkansas, according to the legend. That's something, isn't it? Spain to Northern Arkansas. Um, let's see. <laughs> That's a real connection there. Yeah. He hired men to help him and after digging straight down at a spot with a marker, they located the entrance to the cave concealed behind a large boulder. That was the first treasure hunt there and treasure hunts continue today. So that's the, mm. um, that is the old Spanish treasure cave, which you can visit. Um, the, uh, I found another little snippet on a different website. Um, so there's a website called Only In Your State and so that's where all the states could go, uh, I guess, put interesting things. So there was this big website from Missouri about buried treasure. And then there was another website called Legends of America, which um, also you can go in and put things about your state. And there was this buried treasure stuff. So it's uh, one of these um, little snippets said, legends abound throughout the area of Noble Hill um, which, well, I'll tell you where, that a cache of Spanish treasure is buried in the area somewhere. Noble Hill is about 13 miles north of Springfield on Highway 13 on the Polk-Green County line. And evidently that's pretty well known because I found lots of little stories about, you know, that there's this big treasure cache at, near Noble Hill. Um, I looked around hmm. for, um, so that's the Spanish buried treasure. And there's more stories than just that. But I looked for some stories, specific stories about pirates on the Mississippi, and I couldn't really find anything except um, steamships and paddle boats and barges uh, sunk all the time. And um, the Mississippi has changed its course. So if you're interested in steamboats. Um, there is this incredible museum in Kansas City called the Arabia Steamboat Museum, and I'll put the website on it, that my cousin and I went to. And so this was, a, the Arabia was um, a steamboat, a merchant boat, and it sunk, and then the um, Mississippi changed course. So this guy was out digging in his field one day and he, and he comes upon the hull of a steamboat. And so 
they dug up, they got <laughs> some money to dig up everything. And so when you go to this museum, there's like 40 shovels, 25 saws. I mean, because it was a merchant ship, right? So anything that wasn't organic wow. was, was preserved in the mud. So there's still um, cases of brandy. And I talked to the, the guy that owns it and he said that they cracked one of those open and tried to drink it. You know, there's still canned goods and all kinds of stuff. Anyway, go there. It's fascinating. Oh, wow. hmm. um, okay, so oh, the, oh, the brandy. He said it, it was not very good. I mean, after I guess been in the mud for a hundred years or whatever, but um, but but yeah, they okay. had more of it, you know. I mean, like it's just amazing, you know, dishes and um, cloth, of course, rotted, but um, leather tended to. I mean, it's organic, but leather tended to hold up pretty good, and it was just really fascinating. Um, so that picture that you're going to see on the website, and maybe the extras, is my cousin Bruce and I in front of the keel, maybe, of the ship. Because they were able to get the big wooden hull out in pieces, and then they, you know, preserved it as best they could. But you'll have to go to the museum. There's some special thing, like they have to, like, soak it every so often, or it just falls apart, you know. So anyway, interesting. All right. So the Civil War, John Rutherford, who's a local history associate with the Springfield Green County Library, tells several tales of hidden treasure that have been written about in Springfield and surrounding area newspapers over the years. So one story is about an outlaw during the Civil War who robbed multiple people and who claimed to have $60,000 worth of gold with him when he was captured, shot, and eventually died from his wounds. He told a surgeon the story about where he buried it in a cave down on the White River on Wilderness Road somewhere near the Kimberling Bridge or the Mayberry Kimberling Ferry. The cave he supposedly buried the loot in may be inundated with water because of the creation of Table Rock Lake, but it could still be above water, you know, so if you guys have nothing to do next weekend, you can. Um, so another interesting story. So that's that story. Um, there's another story, uh, a Civil War soldier, John Rogers, and his wife moved to West Plains from Kentucky in the late 19th century. They started a vegetable garden and sold their harvest to neighbors. It's said that Roberts decided to expand his business by purchasing additional land. He found a piece of property he liked. He went to the bank, which apparently owned the property, and with a wheelbarrow full of nickels paid for that piece of property and that caused quite a stir among the local residents. He gardened for several more years and after he passed away no one knew what happened to the rest of the money he made. Within a short time after his death his house and a nearby blacksmith shop burned to the ground. So there's some thinking there that people were looking for a cache of nickels that might have been buried on his home property and they may still be there. So a wheelbarrow full of nickels. Um, I, I wish I had a wheelbarrow <laughs> full of yeah. Um, count, I tried to look up some counterfeiting stories. Well, like, how many drinks have you had? I know. I know I'm kind of slurring. I sorry. I'm, well, I haven't even had a half of this one. Um, so 
There weren't. Many, I like your bartender. <laughs> there, there weren't many counterfeiting <laughs> stories, um, historic. But um, when I looked it up, there was a modern story about counterfeiting in Osage Beach and that figure. So, um, all right. <laughs> <laughs> outlaw <laughs> outlaw and you know osage beach i mean i don't know if you guys uh, i know you some you all have but out there in listener land if you've watched the series ozark with um jason bateman you know that's all about the meth trade and that's what that counterfeiting stuff's all mixed up in Okay, so outlaw stories. The most famous outlaw story to me, I mean, I don't know if this is really most famous, but it was to me, so I chose it. Because I think about Deidre, <laughs> because Forsyth, Missouri, where we were all raised, used to have this festival called Alf Bolin Days. And Deidre, didn't you march? Didn't you march in Alf yes, Bolin Days or something? Yes, we did. Okay, that's why. I carried the coffin. Oh, that's I, have, I think I I've seen that picture, right? Yes. I did. I yeah. had these lovely glasses that were um, tinted to get darkened with the sun. <laughs> yes. I had lovely straight feathered back hair. And I was in dad's um, uh, Hawaiian, green Hawaiian shirt. The green one, yeah. Yeah. And I was carrying the, I believe the, well, I was at the front. I don't know if it, we were carrying in feet first or head first, but I carried Alf Bolin's coffin. So the thing is, I'm going to talk about Whoa. Alf Bolin and who he was. But so the Forsyth Festival celebrated an outlaw, which is that Forsyth used to have a hanging tree that was cut down to build a condo. They said you could still see the rope marks on it, and that had something to do with Alf Bolin. But anyway. He was a Missouri outlaw from the mid-1800s. The story is that many years ago, a man came to a farm on Highway JJ south of Kirbyville in Taney County looking for a treasure that Bolin had buried near a cave in the Fox Creek country. It contained gold and silver from his many robberies. I don't know where Fox Creek is, but we're going to have to look that up. The cave had been used as a marker to the nearby buried cache. There is definitely a good chance that Bolin had buried his loot in these hills. Murder Rocks on the Pine Mountains south of Kirbyville is also known as Alf Bolin Rocks due to it being the location where Bolin and his gang of outlaws often hid and then robbed and sometimes murdered unfortunate travelers. It was also the area in which Bolin was later trapped and killed by a Union soldier commissioned to capture the outlaw. At the time of his death in 1863, Bolin was only 21 years old. I didn't know that. With so many raids in this area. I didn't either. Wow. I know. He had amassed a considerable fortune, but because he couldn't keep it in a bank, he likely buried it near the cave. Unfortunately, the exact location of the burial spot died with the outlaw himself, and so the treasure is quite possibly still there. So that's close to our hometown. Can I, um, and yeah, can I, can I add something mm -hmm. to that? Yes, you may. Okay, sorry. Um, so my friend Colin and I were talking um, the other day and he is the history, the American history teacher here at Forsyth. And he was telling me that there was a family down JJ, um, which is out in Kirbyville, 
um, that they would have a gentleman come every summer and come camp out on their property and he'd be gone. They'd like make him lunch and he'd, they'd, he'd pay them. And he'd camp out on their property all summer. They'd make him lunch. He'd be gone all day. He came back and he did it for many summers, I guess, um, in a row. And finally, um, the, his last summer when he left, he said, I'm not coming back. I just want you to know what I'm doing. And that's what he was doing. He was looking, he had a map and he was looking for oh. Alfie Bolin's treasure. Oh, wow. wow. That's really cool. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, it is cool. Where'd he get the map? You may, you may proceed. I, well, I am. I, I asked you, say. where'd he get the map? He didn't say. <clears throat> he did not say. Yeah. Okay. All right. Interesting. All right. So California gold. All right. This story is um, about a, a religious person, a parson um, uh, known as Parson Keithley, who was an odd character from the mid 19th century who roamed the Ozark countryside preaching on Sundays and wandering the area with his dog and his gun the rest of the time, sometimes disappearing for days. During one of these disappearances, he apparently had gone to California to search for gold during the gold rush. He was gone for about three years, then suddenly reappeared and returned to Missouri to preach and wander as before. Turns out, Keithley had found gold in California, come home and hid it somewhere. His family never knew where, although there was a nearby cave he visited frequently. It was where he was eventually laid to rest upon his death. Many thought this cave might be where the treasure was hidden. Hints of the treasure over the years occurred when he would periodically pull a $10 gold piece from his pocket, hand it to his daughter and say, see here what I've found. The cave is located near Galena, Missouri in Stone County. So those are four little stories of five, four, four really, only four about treasure hunting in the Ozarks. There you go. Aww. Yay. Cool. I didn't know anything about that either. Um, that's all very, very groovy. Very cool. I mean, it stands to reason that there's, that there's treasure up there uh, mm -hmm. just from how you guys have described it, you know, people hiding their... <laughs> Their their winnings or their booty or their their yeah. loot contraband or whatever. Plus, you know, people so, didn't yeah. trust. They Excellent. Didn't trust, uh, people didn't trust banks very much, you know, back in the day, and so a lot of times you, I mean, they just hide. Oh them. no. Yeah. Right. So in those two websites, I have family members that I could, <laughs> I will that will remain nameless since I'm since I've been a big kid <laughs> that uh, did not trust banks because of the crash, and oh, they yeah. kept all their their money hidden in you know peanut jars and and yeah. tin cans in the under the bed and or in the under the floorboards of the you know that stuff's real so. Yeah. That's true. Well, if you go on yeah. those Missouri websites, I mean, really, there were a ton of stories. I just picked one from each category. So lots of buried treasure. Yeah. 
Lots of good information tonight, girls. Yeah, we can, yeah, those were good stories. Yeah, our our uh, our listeners will be digging for more information on those. I'm sure, uh, <laughs> unless they've had two of these drinks. Ah, <laughs> uh-huh. well, that's true. Yeah, I'm feeling mine, but uh, there you go. Okay, so uh, before um, we have something else tonight, we have some follow-up stories from uh, previous uh, episodes from last season. I think last season. So uh, Dina has information on that. So I'm going to throw it back to Dina and she can share some follow-up stories. So season one, episode 12, we did Shepherd of the Hills and I have the big story on that. And since then, we have had a couple of my actually fellow castmates um, write in and give us a couple of more stories. So we thought that we would go ahead and share those stories with you. Um, Our first one is from Corey Kilburn, and he was one of my little Pete's, and then later on, he was one of my um, Ollie Stewart's, because I was Sammy Lane for too many years. Well, that is sick (laughs) and disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you, he's not the only boy that was my little Pete, and then my Ollie Stewart. That's even more disgusting. I know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey, it's theater, man. It's theater. Yeah, and it's like... I played an 18-year-old until I was over 30. <laughs> yeah, but the audience, <laughs> the audience was like 100 yards away from you. You could get by with anything. Right. Oh, yeah. I, I still look 18, though I could probably not ride a horse anymore. <laughs> All right. I didn't do it very well to begin with, to be quite honest. <laughs> Okay, so okay, here we go. This is from Corey Kilburn, and this is what he says. It happened on one night of my off nights from playing Ollie. I was working in the tech booth, running lights and sound, which for those who might be unfamiliar is at the top of the seating area. The show had been over for a little while, and everyone was down in the dressing room. I was closing things up in the booth, and one of the last things you do is kill the big main overhead stadium lights. Once you do, everything is pitch black. I turned off the mains and grabbed my jacket to leave and happened to look down at the stage around the engine and saw a lantern that was lit and then saw it moving along around the front of the square dance porch and what looked like a young girl walking with the lantern. I then walked down from the booth through the seats to the stage to see if whoever it was needed me to turn the mains back on. I got to the platform, but the person was just gone, just a lantern on the ledge. So I turned around, head back, and all of the sudden, all of the main lights turned back on. I looked up to the booth, but didn't see anyone up there, so I hustled back up, waiting for someone to come out of the booth, surprising me. But I opened the door, and no one was there. Still brings me chills. Wow. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. So my second one is from Larry Wayne Hall. I love Larry Wayne. Um, he played Doc Coughlin. He played, I'm pretty sure he played Pe- Preaching Bill. He played several different things. And he but he wasn't a little beautiful. Pete that played your Ollie? <laughs> no, no. He, he's Thank a little God. bit older than him. So I do have, can I, I have a great Larry Wayne story. So we used to go to, this has nothing to do with anything except Larry Wayne. Um, and I love him, so I'm going to tell it. <laughs> so we used to go to the show in um, 
Highlandville that some of the cast was involved in. Um, and the Caulfields used to to run up there. And we got up there, and I don't remember who. Somebody asked me to sing the national anthem. And I was like, okay, sure. Well, I got up there to sing the national anthem, and it was about 30 minutes beforehand. And mind you, this is before cell phones, so I couldn't look stuff up. And I was like, babe, just looking at my husband, I was like, I, I think I've forgotten the words. What are the words? And he was like, oh, you know, they're, oh. And so everyone there had forgotten the words to the national anthem. I'm not kidding. Everyone I asked. So I ended up calling Larry Wayne on the phone. And he sang the national anthem to me so that I could write all the words down. So I will not that. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Oh, you That's great. I know. I know. Anyway, okay, here's his story. One night, I was walking onto set, and there was a new girl working at the store. So there was a little general, I'm adding side sidebar, there was a little general store in between the dressing room and the um, theater. And I, I don't even know if it's open anymore. It's this not. was back while I was still there, I guess. And it had drinks and a few souvenirs and stuff. So anyway, there was a new girl working at the store. She was sitting on the bench looking out on set. The door to the store was open, and as I got almost even with the door, it started slowly closing. The, the girl heard it and turned to watch it slowly close, and it shut completely. Her eyes were about the size of silver dollars. Oh, look at that telling him right there. <laughs> I kept walking and told her not to worry that that happened all the time. But it was okay, because she was a friendly ghost and had never hurt anyone. Gave her a smile and kept walking. Never saw that girl again. But there are more stories of the general store. That was from uh, Larry Lane. Uh, uh, huh. Yeah. Okay. Those are those are two from Shepherd of the Hills. Fabulous. Yeah. 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 If anybody else has stories that you know go along the lines of any of our um, past uh, episodes, feel free to direct message them to us or you know put them in a comment section or whatever yeah. and maybe we'll have time to revisit them in another uh episode yeah, yeah. excellent all right well this has been a a fun evening of of uh, uh treasure stories and mm -hmm. and uh <laughs> <laughs> frivolity uh so we want to thank you thank you so much for joining us be sure to remember to leave us all the stars you can and subscribe to us if you would and we would like to say goodbye say goodbye everybody bye everybody and remember if you liked it tell all your friends and if you didn't keep your big mouth shut, shut.